Hey, this is Chris Widener, best-selling author of The Art of Influence. And if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to the Time to Time Today podcast with my friend, Scott Ferguson. Hey, 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 this is Scott Ferguson with Time to Shine Today podcast. Welcome, my varsity squad. Thank you so much for tuning in. As we know that here at Time to Shine Today, we don't want anyone to feel like they have no one. And if there is anyone out there that can really level you up, it's my friend Chris Widener. A fantastic top 50 in the world. That is not a misspeak or a misspoke. He is one of the top 50. 50 speakers in the world. He has been mentored and worked with people like Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar. The list goes on and on. The knowledge nuggets he's going to bombard you with are you're going to want to take notes. He shares stuff. You're getting a free masterclass here from Chris. He's a best-selling author. He Again, he's a top 50 speaker in the world. So, Without further ado, I'm going to shut up my clam and turn it over to my good friend, Chris Widener. Hey, hey, time to shine. Today, podcast squad, it's Scott Ferguson, and I am in, you've heard me say fanboy with a, a couple other people like Randy Gage or Tanner Chuck when I've had them on, but like I got Chris Widener. Um, I never miss one of his podcasts, of Fortunes from Speaking Podcast. If, if when we're done, I'll remind you again. Go put it on your iPhone, Droid, whatever. I use Overcast. Try that app. But get Fortunes from Speaking Podcast. He's got the movers, shakers, anybody that's anybody when it comes to speaking and getting their message out of their head, over their lips, and out to the world. Chris is the guy. You must listen to the people that he interviews. And I am so, so stoked to have him have Chris on. Chris has been named one of the top 50 speakers in the world, one of the top 100 leadership speakers by Inc. Magazine. If that, that's some serious credentials right there. And as a member of the Motivational Speakers Hall of Fame, Chris was personally mentored by legendary speakers John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, and Jim Rohn. And as everybody knows out there, I regurgitate a lot of stuff that comes from people before me, and I get to where I'm at by standing shoulders of giants. And Chris is one of those people. He just doesn't know it or know me like that much, but he's one of the shoulders that I stand on to get my voice out there to the world. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Chris on to introduce himself. So Chris, welcome to Time to Shine podcast show. But first, what is your favorite color and why? Purple because it's regal. <laughs> I love it. That was quick, and I love that. <laughs> it's regal. It's it's the royal color. Regal is absolutely regal. the color. I love, of it. I love so, it. Let's get to the origins of you, man. You're a giant in the industry of speaking and your coaching. The the origins of me. Yeah. Well, my dad and my mom. <laughs> they got together, and <laughs> no, but let's let's give the uh, the listeners a little bit about sure. your background there, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll try and give you the the quick dive. Rotten upbringing. My dad died when I was four. He had been very, uh, he'd been making a lot of money, but he was underinsured. So we moved from a house. My mom had to sell the house we were living in when I was four years old because she couldn't afford the $400 a month mortgage payment. This was 1970. That house recently sold for $2.3 million. Uh, It began a downward spiral for my mom and me. 
Um, I ended up uh, living 28 homes. I went to 11 different schools. My mom, in desperation, shipped me off to live with relatives twice, once in the fourth grade, once in the ninth grade. I began drugs in the fifth or sixth grade, made most of my money growing up, uh, betting the horses at Long Acres Horse Track. Um, uh, I ended up, the summer before my senior year, I had this moment where I got invited to church and I had never been to church. I knew, literally knew nothing about it. I spent the night at my best pot-smoking buddy's house. And uh, we probably fired up a lot of fatties on Saturday night. And on Sunday morning, uh, his mom walked through the door at about 8 in the morning and said, get up, we're going to Sunday school. And I went, Sunday school? Like, what is Sunday school? I, I truly didn't know. None of the language of the church or anything meant anything to me because I never went. I, my family was not religious. And um, I ended up going, and I met a youth minister there from Montana. He was a good old boy from Montana. And uh, meeting him was really important for my life because, A, he taught me about God, which gave me a sense of purpose. But, B, I had no male role models in my family. My grandpas, I didn't know either of my grandpas. My dad died when I was four. Yeah. My brother's 13 years older than me. And... Um, and so he, he got married to a woman who didn't like my mom. So they weren't, he wasn't around much growing up. So this youth minister really was a pivotal moment in my life. And uh, I ended up going into the ministry. I started out as a youth minister uh, and then as a, a pastor for 14 years, from 88 to 2002. But uh, I was what they called a church planter which means I started churches. I planted them. And so um, there was no money in it. I didn't get paid. So I had to start a sort of a side business and I started a publishing company. Uh, again, sort of tightening 30 years into a couple minutes. No. Uh, that publishing company ended up, I licensed audio programs from other speakers. And uh, for a number of years, probably 2004 to 2009, we were selling about a million and a half to $2 million a month of audio programs through Costco and Sam's Club. And we were selling people like John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. And that's how I got into relationship with those guys. I was selling fifty to 75,000 boxes a month through Costco. What time and frame was that? Uh, 2004 to 2009. Okay. So it's moving um, into CDs a little bit in, in uh, that time? Well, the reason we got out was because CDs were, were going away. Days and out, and, sure. And I sold that company that I had started to my partner who I'd brought on to help me with that project. He's then turned it into a, a book publishing company and such. And so um, I went full-time as a speaker in 2002 because I was – preaching on Sunday mornings. And then I was at Harvard Business School on Wednesday afternoons and, and General Electric on Thursday mornings and Tuesday nights, I was speaking to AT&T. And, and so I finally went and did it full time. Uh, the first thing I did was I put on a conference September 2002, I took out a $100,000 mortgage against my house, which at the time was worth about $375,000. And I gave 55,000 of the hundred I took out of my house to Maxwell to get him to come out and speak for me. Because wow. uh, his, his fee was 50,000 and then probably another five grand in expenditures and travel and all that sure. kind of stuff. And so I, I blew 55% of a $100,000 mortgage uh, that I took out by giving it to John Maxwell. And that's how I got to know John. I ended up ghostwriting for John. And then Jim Rohn wow. called and asked if I'd write with them. I ended up writing the Jim Rohn one-year program and then Jim's last book uh, called 12 Pillars. And then um, I had a TV show in uh, Dallas uh, 2004 to 2007, something like that. And they asked Zig to do a TV show called True Performance. And Zig was getting older. And so his son, Tom said, Hey, would you be willing to co-host this show with Zig? And I said, yeah, sure. Who wouldn't? 
you know, I felt like, uh, I tell people the first time I walked into the studio, I felt like a, a priest who'd been called to the Vatican to serve communion with the Pope. You know, it's like, <laughs> here's Ziggs. And I'd never met him before. Till the, till the day I walked into um, into that studio, I'd never met Zig personally before. Wow. And, uh, and But I'd sold, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of audio programs of his. Sure. Um, so that's a brief, like, three-minute version of from birth to uh, to where I am today. That's that's amazing. You went through a grind, but every time it seems like you hit a, a bump or a fail, if you will, you failed forward into opening up and into better and bigger things. We call that on this podcast leveling up. So what was – I got to back up. What was the aha moment that said, I'm going to be a full-time speaker out of this? Because you were selling the audio programs. Mm-hmm. When I, what was that thing that clicked in your mind? Press, it was like, well, I was a full, I mean, I was speaking a lot from 1988 because my upbringing was so bad and I was a youth ministry major and a mm-hmm. youth pastor. So I was being asked to speak all the time about how to overcome a crazy childhood. Um, but when I decided to go full time, I'll tell you what happened. Um, I was reading a book called The Journey of Desire by John Eldridge. And John is more well known for his book called Wild at Heart. And um, Wild at Heart was the book that came after The Journey of Desire, and it gets most of the publicity. But Journey of Desire was profound in my life. Um, I realized reading that book that I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I wanted to be a full-time speaker. Now, funny enough, I read a book in high school that's not, it's totally out of print. And in fact, most of the advice wouldn't even be good anymore, but it was called, uh, how to make a fortune as public speaker, put your money where your mouth is. And I read that in high school. Now I was the kid, I, I was always talking. My mom was always telling me to shut up. In fact, when I started getting paid a lot of money to give speeches, she said, you mean people to pay you to do what I told you all those years to stop? And I'm like, yeah, they actually do. <laughs> you remember in high school, you would sit down in first period and then the, the bit buzzer would beep, the teacher sure. would tell you to sit down and then the guy came on for announcements. Right. And he's like, all right, class, today for lunch, we're having fish sticks and tater tots with sure. side of corn, JV football, be at the bus by 2.30 to go to your game at, you right. know, whatever. That was me. That was you. I, okay. I, I did that for two years until I got in trouble my senior year and they fired me. Um, my principal called me in and fired me because I was a little bit of a rabble rouser. Um, <laughs> but uh, in college, I was the, I was the uh, college announcer for the basketball in, in-house in the stadium basketball. So I announced the starting lineups and, you know, all nice. the way through the game and that kind of thing. So I, I was always sort of a talker, but then I just really realized I needed to go out and do it and really make this my life. Gotcha. Chris, what makes a great speaker? Well, uh, it depends. There's a, big, there's a big difference. There's a difference between a great speaker and a great speaking business. A great speaker uh, is a person who I think can educate and entertain at the same time. They can make it uh, interesting and lively and uh, make people want to listen and engaged and at the same time, teach them something. And I do a lot of speaker coaching. I train speakers now on how to craft that magical stage presence. Um, I started with politicians. My best friend in the early 2000s ran for governor, and he hired me as his speech coach. He said, well, you're the professional speaker. Why don't you help me? So I helped him, and, <laughs> and um, 
that ended up turning into I've helped people running for president, some names everybody knows, all the way down to city council. And one of the things that I tell people to do as speakers in order to, and this is what I do, and I started doing it with politicians, is you should craft your speech so that you run people through what I call the emotional cycle or the emotional roller coaster. So you craft your speech so that at some points they're going, oh yeah, I really agree with that. Uh-huh, that's interesting. And then other times they're leaning forward and they're just really intense and they're just really, and other times they're laughing and other times they're cheering. Like you wanna, I literally describe it, people, if you're watching this, and some of you aren't, but I want people to rotate through those cycles of emotions. Um, and one trick that I use, or technique, it's not a trick, and I teach people this, is the best place to insert a poignant point is right after you have people laughing. And so I'll give you an example of how I do this. Um, I have a story in my speech where I talk about my daughter and I talk about how, um, uh, how she was making $75 a day in tips as a barista when she was 14 years old. And she told me that she engages with people and she asks them, all she does is ask them questions about themselves while she's making the coffee. They're staying at the counter and it's just question after question after question. People get to talk. And, and so, um, uh, at one point I, I finalized the story and I, I say, you know, look, you know, in a way it's kind of sick if you think about it, because <laughs> here's this 14 year old girl who's learned how to manipulate 45 year old men for money. And of course the audience, like you are, the audience, laughing, right? the audience laughs, right? So right. now I've, I've done what I want you to do. I've gotten you to open up like literally and figuratively people open up when they laugh. They literally they lean back, they throw their hands, and, and they create an open position. Emotionally, they open themselves up as well. The very next line after I say, now in a way, it's kind of sick because here's a 14-year-old you know, girl who's le learned to manipulate 45-year-old men for money. I let people laugh for five or 10 seconds. I say, but there's a deep spiritual truth there. And that is that people want connection so much so that 45-year-old men will triple the amount of money they tip simply because somebody asked them questions about themselves. Wow. And, and so I get them to laugh and open up, and then I slide right in there with a very poignant point. And, and psych I actually ended up interviewing a woman the other day who uh, her whole thing is on the psychology. Uh, she calls it neuro uh, neuro humor or something like that. It's the connection of, between the brain and humor and what happens and how we learn through humor. And so I think that, uh, that great speakers, um, take people on a roller coaster of emotion, uh, and a journey that's both fun and educational. So the emotional cycle, that roller coaster of emotion. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I got to ask you this. We have other questions. But I have to ask you this because you ask it on every one of your fortunes from speaking podcast. What is your favorite venue? Uh, well, so, yeah, so you got, I, and I, and I, I've asked that you question. You hold people's so feet to their fire. So I'm holding yeah. here. You got to come no, no, up no. It's just funny because <laughs> people have such a hard time with it. I'm like, okay, you could say the venue or you could say the country or city, or you could say right. the actual group of people. So I'll tell you my favorite group of people. Um, I, I love network marketers, um, because they're energetic. They've paid to be there. So they want to be there. Uh, they're friendly and they buy lots and lots of stuff. So, um, so I love them for that. My favorite city that I've probably been to is probably, I mean, Shanghai is just wow. incredible. I love Shanghai. I loved Barcelona. 
Were you the one that had the the podcast? I've listened to all yours that where you would speak and then the interpreter spoke it out to the audience. Yeah, yeah okay. that was in St. Petersburg, Russia, which was my next one. I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, in St. Petersburg, in St. Petersburg, I did the alternating. I spoke forty, you know, thirty seconds. He spoke thirty seconds. Okay. We went back and forth like a dance. In Barcelona and a number of other cities like Cologne, uh, spoke in Cologne, Germany. Uh, for a company, they put on these huge events, like 20,000 people, and they are doing simultaneous translation. So behind the stage, it was kind of cool to see behind the stage, there was like these wooden made up like um, uh, press board or uh, what do you call it? Um, Plywood, plywood, like almost like phone booths that had been made up. And each phone booth had a different person in it listening they were listening to me and then they were talking into a microphone and there was an italian one a german one a spanish one a portuguese one (laughs) and so they were listening to me talk and talking into their microphone and it was being simultaneously translated so when people would come in the venue this was in barcelona uh they would grab headsets that said spanish and they'd put them on and then they could listen i mean just the 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 way that they what they had to pull off to make that happen that's amazing incredible yeah was it like was almost surreal you're standing up there you say something that's kind of funny and you'll hear laughter pop up over here maybe not over here and other parts of the audience i mean that that had to been the most surreal experience especially being at the level that you're at that's crazy yeah it's it's always fun to talk to those giant audiences you know Um, it was funny. I'll tell you a, a funny story. Biggest audience I ever did was 25,000 people. It was in LA and there was a speaker bureau, speaker management gal that had always wanted to see me speak, but had never been able to. So she came out to this thing and she was thinking about managing my career. And, uh, and I had Jim Rohn international had been sold and I'd moved on from success magazine. And so she comes out, it was 25,000 people. It was network marketers. And I'm like, I'm just going to blow the doors off of this joint. <laughs> and, uh, and literally by the end, standing ovation, chanting my name. And it was all designed that way, you know, sure. and afterwards the woman goes, Oh, I could never represent you. I could never, I, I can't do it. I can't represent you. And I'm like, why not? She goes, I don't know. That's like Tony Robbins level kind of stuff. Like <laughs> 25,000 people chanting your name. I, I, I do more like 500 person like corporate events sure. and yeah that's that's what i do too mostly right but but it is fun when you get those giant crowds especially if you know how to work a crowd it's a lot sure. of fun to, to it's it. a lot of energy coming your way and it's just uh, it's great real to me it's fantastic it's a, it's a level up that i'm going to get to you know a funny thing though let me tell you scott sure. that most people don't understand when you're doing a giant event like that ten thousand plus in a in a even a small arena kind of thing sure. uh Arenas usually start at like six or 7,000 people, these sort of regional arenas. Um, most people don't know that there's so much lighting on the stage and they're beaming right into your eyes that you really can't see that many people in the crowd anyway wow. because it's blinding you. So I actually have to force myself to like look up to the rafters. Even though I can't see anything, <laughs> I look up there as though I'm talking to them. So you, you're constantly telling yourself, okay, make sure you're looking this way. And now you're looking way back there. And now you're looking over here. And then you're looking down front. So it's even though you don't see anything. About right. the only people you see in a 20,000-person arena is like the first 300 people in the first two or three rows. Because you're blind. You know, it's funny you say that because I used to compete in bodybuilding shows all the time where basically yeah. I put in my, on, on my underwear thing. and I flexed my muscles and I couldn't see anything. That's was made it first show was like 1996 and I was like the skinny guy at stage. And I remember looking out and going, this isn't that bad. Cause I can't see. Yeah, exactly. 1500 people out there. Hey, Chris, let's hop in Marty McFly's Del- DeLorean. Let's go back yeah. to the 22, 23 year old Chris Widener. Uh, yeah. Let's talk to him. What would you tell him? 
with the knowledge nuggets that you have now? Not about the speaking business, right? Just no, anything in general. Anything. Please. Um, be patient. Be way more patient than you are. Um, love people. Be graceful. Uh, help others. Um, almost nothing at this stage of my life is about business or success or, you know, all those kinds of things. You know, there's a, a famous book. In fact, I just referred it. A friend of mine makes about 80 million bucks a year and he's trying to find himself. He's trying to find himself. I said, you need to read this book. It's called uh, Halftime by Bob, um, by Bob um, uh, Buford. Bob Buford, right. Halftime by Bob Buford. And the subtitle, it's called Halftime, subtitle, Moving from Success to Significance. And it's about, it's about how this unique thing that happens to people, they go out and they get really, really successful, and then they realize it doesn't fill them at all. Sure. And, and they get to be 45 or 50, and they go, oh, wow, okay, I thought that having all this would, would really make me happy, and they realize that it doesn't. And, um, and so they have to kind of figure out, okay, now how do I move into significance? The unfortunate problem is, is that young men uh, and young women for the same thing, they're so ambitious, right? Cause that's the stage they're in. It's time to go build a family. It's time to go build a business. It's time to go build my career. It's just build, 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 you know, and that's great. And we have to do that. But I think oftentimes we miss the, the deeper meaning of life stuff. And then 20 years into it, when you're successful and you get all that and you kind of go, okay, um, doesn't really, isn't really fulfilling. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I drove by a house for 21 years. This house was on 10 acres, but there was nothing else around it. So there was probably 2000 acres around it, had a half a mile of riverfront, 1800 bottle wine cellar, swimming pool, pool house, everything. Sure. And I bought it. I drove by it for 21 years. The front gate, Scott, the front gates were 500 feet long, brick pillars with wrought iron fencing, big double, I call them Elvis gates that open like this, quarter mile circular driveway. Two weeks after I bought that house, 2004, well into the seven figures, um, my dream house, I finally bought it. Two weeks afterwards, I'm walking around the driveway, I get to the top of the driveway, I'm holding a drink, I look back down at the house and I think to myself, now what? Sure. And that was one of the more profound moments of my life. I'd worked for 21 years to be able to buy this house. Now, I loved the house mainly because, I mean, I loved it. It was great. It was away from, uh, away from everybody. So it was great coming off the road. I could just get away from everybody. Sure. But remember, I lived in 28 homes, and I wanted my kids to have I was just going to say that. With they, it was for them. Right. Um, and, the programming uh, that you must have been, kind of been brought up with when you saw it, kind of the same thing happened to me on a much smaller level where I bought a house in Michigan on the mm -hmm. lake in a very prestigious area. But I just looked at it and I was because I was raised by a guy that worked on the line at General Motors yeah. and I made it. And again, I was like, what's next? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's amazing. You've accomplished so much in your life, Chris. What is there anything bigger that you want to really attain have happened to you is there what's the big thing that will in a egotistical way make you immortal in a sense um you know it's kind of funny because i really have done everything i've wanted to do in life i've had a new york times bestseller i've spoken to twenty five thousand people i've i've run for the united states senate i've i've done everything i've wanted to do i've i've never held back in life and, and what I really want to do now, and, and this is, again, kind of back to that halftime thing is, is 
I, I was blessed by Zig and Jim and people that opened doors for me, Dennis Waitley, um, all those folks. And you get to a place where you've done it, kind of done it all. And uh, then you kind of say, okay, how do I help other people? So I'm doing a lot of speaker coaching. I'm doing a lot of executive coaching. Um, uh, I, I do executive coaching across the board. I'm, I'm starting to do a lot more for people in the faith-based arena, executives nice. and, and entrepreneurs. It's sort of blending my success coaching with my old pastor's hat. Wow. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that don't, they have this misconception that if you're a person of faith, you can't be successful in the world, right? Because so many people have misquoted the Bible for so long. You know, what, sure. what do we hear? What do we hear? The Bi- uh, you know, the people say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. Well, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all sure. evil. When you, when you go back into the original Greek language that it was written in, it actually says money is a kind, uh, or, or the love of money is a kind of all kinds of evil. Sure. Um, and so, or the root of all kinds of evil. And so I think most people would agree with that. If you're so mm-hmm. obsessed with money, you could really end up in some bad places. Right. That's the truth of it. It's not saying that if you have money, you're somehow evil. So I think that um, I have a real passion for that, helping people understand that you can both have an inner life as well as a, a successful outer life. True. Um, coaching people on speaking, you know, helping them Love become it. world-class speakers. And so it's, for me, it's all about meaning at this point. Love it. So what, what's your definition? I think I could answer this for you, but I want to hear it from you quickly, kind of. What's your definition of a life well-lived? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say a life well-lived because Jim Rohn and I, in our book, 12 Pillars, we say you can't determine how long you live, but you can determine how well you live. And, uh, and I love that quote that we came up for in, in that book. Um, a life well-lived, in my opinion, is a life of service. Um, I, my next book is coming out November uh, 3rd, 2020. It's called Lasting Impact, How to Create a Life and Business that Lives Beyond You. And that's really what we all want. We want to know that our, we want to know that our life mattered. We want to know that we made a difference. We want to know that other people are better because we were there and in their life. So to me, it's about contribution. It's, it's, it's less about what we take from the world, more what we uh, give to the world. Excellent. As we kind of wind things in, I got a leveling up lightning round that I've actually okay. added some questions specifically right. for you on this. And the, you and I could talk for 15 minutes on each one of them, and I would listen the whole time, but I need five seconds. My producer okay, over here. Okay, five seconds. Saying, here we okay. go. All right. All right. What's the best leveling up advice you've ever received? Uh, it's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. Perfect. Share one of your personal habits that contributes to Chris's success. I take time for myself. Love it. Other than your own website, and of course, time to shine today.com. <laughs> That's my shameless plug. What's another website that you like to go to to possibly level up? Um, boy, I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's, I, I get on the internet every day and I we'll just, just read. say Google for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. It, I, I will go, I'll go on and I'll see some just great stuff and then I'll deep dive into certain topics and sure. it's hard to name one. Okay. Outside of your plethora of 20s, mid 20s, almost 30 books, what's a book, not the flavor of the month that you're reading right now, but what's the book that you would go to to hand somebody and say, you have to read this? So it's interesting that you said not the flavor of the month because I've always said I don't read much pop culture books because um, I read dead guys. Sure. Um, And um, 
Uh, I read a lot of people because if, if they've died and it's still around, um, it means that it's, it's timeless and not just Vogue content. I always go back to a book, um, called the pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And, um, uh, I think it's one of the greatest books ever written. Favorite charity or organization that you like to contribute your time or, and or money to. I love uh, World Vision. I love that you can buy like cows and goats and bees and things like that for people in third world. My kids for years and years, that's what I asked them. They're like, what do we get dad? He has everything. I said, buy some bees for some people. (laughs) Okay, last question. Best decade of music, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s? 80s. Got to be the 80s. I'm right there. Big hair, don't care. Exactly. Chris, leave us with, kind of quickly though, what one knowledge nugget that you want our listeners here to internalize and take with them. Be a voice, not an echo. I was at a conference. I was at a conference in the early nineties. This is one of the weirdest things that ever happened to me, Scott. And um, I was at a conference in the early nineties and I'm standing there. It was during a break. There's all sorts of people around and I turn around and there was a woman about 55 and a woman about 30, obviously a mother and a daughter and the daughter's eyes get giant like saucers when she sees me and she just her jaw drops and she's looking and we're standing face to face and her mom looks at her and says is that him and she says it's him and I said uh what's me and the mom says in the middle of the night last night she woke up she couldn't sleep and she had a dream of a man that she was supposed to tell something to and and she couldn't go back to sleep she said I have this picture of this man's face and I'm supposed to tell him something and apparently it was my face she saw in this dream and and the mom says well tell him tell him what you're supposed to tell him and she looked at me and she said I'm supposed to tell you to be a voice not an echo wow and I was probably 23 years old and it has been I found out later on that it was uh, it's been attributed to uh, Albert Einstein be a voice not an echo Um, that's been profound that's amazing so I know we can find you on WidenerCoaching.com, I believe, ChrisWidener.com. Yeah. In your books, I'm going to put all that stuff in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to share with the squad of how they can find you or anything? That you yeah, have just ChrisWidener.com. Well, you can, if you go there, you can click on anything. It'll take you to the coaching and all the different uh, things. But you can reach out to me if you want. If you're interested in any sort of coaching, you can just send me an email, Widener, WidenerGroup at gmail.com. I love it. And hey, squad, you've just been bombed with some knowledge nuggets from uh, who's someone I consider a mentor in a sense and a friend, Chris Widener. Remember to be a voice, not an echo. If you're getting into the speaking business, he gave us a huge knowledge nugget of insert or point your point after laughter. Chris is patient, he's loving, grateful. Loves to help others. He's humble, yet hungry. Levels up his health, levels up his wealth. And Chris, thank you so much for coming on. This is amazing. And you're part of our squad now, whether you like it or not. But really, really. Do I get a shirt with a number or anything? We're going to get you one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you having me on. It's a great pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Time to Shine Today podcast. Probably brought to you by Sutter and Nugent Real Estate real estate excellence who can be reached at 561-249-7266 and online at www.sutterandnugent.com if you're a business owner or professional who would like to be interviewed on time to shine today please visit time to shine today.com slash guest 
If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to our website. Also there, you will see our recommended resources. We hope that you will support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've been listening to, it'd be great if you could just give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it. I'm your host, Scott Ferguson, and until next time, let's level up. It's our time to shine.